windshield time again wow it's early yeah it's 5 30 folks check local listings <sighs> delicious coffee to get this tuesday started it's a new normal man new gig i'm not up this early because i have to be i'm up this early because i get to be good shit I drink this coffee, it reminds me of uh, back in my home, uh, my hometown in Arkansas, or not my hometown, the town right next to me, Ozark, Arkansas, Altus being my hometown. Uh, There used to be this, um, the guy that owned the radio station, his name was Jerry Dietz, his son Mark Dietz still owns WKDYN, Ozark, Arkansas, serving the River Valley. For some odd reason, the son's voice morphed into the same throw-up strip club voice that his dad had for years. But his dad used to, uh, every morning, whenever uh, he got up, he would uh, he'd pour everybody a cup of coffee in the River Valley. Instead of just doing everybody, collectively, he would go, uh, Legview Pizza Cottage. Pour you a cup of coffee, and he had the same sound effect he would do a hundred times a morning. Of just like the sound effect of a cup of coffee being poured, being poured. Uh, Cargill Turkey Processing. Pour you a cup of coffee. Walmart Store 782. I don't know if that's the right store number, so if you work at Walmart, don't be mad at me. Store number 782. Pouring you a cup of coffee. Yeah, that, it would just get annoying. It just did get annoying. I never listened to Katie Wayne, but there's those people that... There's those, there's still... All right, so there's still like 2.1 million people in the world that pay for American Online, even though they can get the same exact service for free. So let's just put this in perspective. It's the same amount of people that still set the radio on a station and just leave it there. Not a lot of people, it's NPR... But a lot of them are just bad local radio that they're just waiting for. For dollar deal. If you're not familiar with the dollar deal, you got you got to tune into the dollar deal. Your rural areas, they all have the dollar deal. They call it something else, but most of the time it's just dollar deal. I got uh, two three-year-old goats and a uh, Chevy Cavalier that's got a blown head gasket. And I'll let them all go. Four hundred twenty-five dollars. They can reach me at six six seven four three five one. That's my grandmother's old phone number. The dollar deals, just where people call in selling the shit. I guess it was just a modern day precursor to Craigslist. You just couldn't, you couldn't put the man for woman or misconnections uh, on on the dollar deal like you can the Craigslist, I suppose. But yeah, that's Arkansas. That's what's, that's what's got me thinking about this morning. Someone's waking up frost on the windshield and it's 18 degrees yeah the other day I'm glad that I'm not going to work construction for a living sorry about that I know that sounds that's probably pretty rude that sound um something you don't think about when you're a car by yourself so I'll, I'll try to be more aware my aunt Martha just left town a few days ago with the family construction business Her and my Uncle Keith came into town, stayed to our Airbnb. Man, Martha's an interesting one because um, 
when she was 18 years old in Arkansas, her and a friend, she, I asked her this question, I never asked her before, when she was 18 years old in Arkansas, her and a friend were just, uh, driving around, man, and they're just like, we can't stay here, we can always come back here, and she said that she'd always known that if she got in trouble, my grandpa would send her the money and she'd come home. And they were just driving, and they saw a billboard outside my hometown that day that said uh, Las, something about Las Vegas. And she'd never been to Las Vegas in her life. She'd never been outside Arkansas other than a few short trips to California with the family. And um, her and her friend just took off driving. And they were thinking L.A., but they ended up in Las Vegas. Had a friend of a friend that lived out there that uh, called her. Just called, hey, we just got to Vegas. Never met this lady. Just a friend of a friend. Lady worked at a casino, and she uh, she told them that they could join the uh, the cocktail server, bartenders, dealers, the dealers union, whatever it was called. And uh, once you joined it, they gave you training, and then they just started going to a place, kind of like a temp service. But it was for, um, but it was for people in the industry. You just go there, and they're like, "Ah, the Golden Nugget today needs two change girls, or so on and so forth, whatever it was." And that's what they did. And her one friend is still that went out there with her, got a gig doing that, and got a job as a financial person at one of the casinos, and just worked her way up. And is like been there since. And that was like, like seventy eight, seventy nine, like the year I was born. The lady's close to retirement now. But uh, Martha went out there and worked and uh, just worked her way up, became a photographer and photographed a bunch of stuff and did a whole bunch of stuff, man. Ended up having my cousin Carissa marrying a um, guy that was like a pit boss or something. I remember going out there visiting when I was nine. I remember that was just the first time I ever had Chinese food. That was cool. Being from like a town of 500 people in Arkansas, that was the most exotic thing you could possibly do. I mean, it, it was even in, even now at my age, it's very, very, very hard for me to wrap my head around what even Las Vegas was like then. Um, and that was when, uh, if any of you've ever been to Vegas, that was the the big thing was the Mirage just opened. I mean, and the one that's the one on the strip with the volcano and everything. Now it doesn't seem like much, but that shit was huge whenever I was, let's say I was nine, so I would have been 88. A lot of good stuff happened in 88. That's when, uh, was it 88? Yeah, I think it was 88 where the LA Kings, LA Lakers, and the Dodgers all won their uh, national championships or their, their championship trophies. Um, but yeah, if you go, like prior to this, all the casinos are just all insulars, all get you on property. And a lot of them are still like that today. I get it, get you on property. But the Mirage was the first one. They had like the White Bengal Tigers, and then they had like a shark tank, I believe. Uh, and then they had the the volcano that exploded. Every time. When we went, I remember we went to see the volcano explode when it first opened at the Mirage in '88. That it, I had, I had never, I couldn't even wrap my stupid nine-year-old Arkansas brain around a uh, traffic jam, but that's what it was. There was a traffic jam getting to and from just to watch this volcano erupt with fire on it and everything. I remember that, and um, we took another trip out to the Valley of Fire, and I remember Uncle Jimmy and I almost getting stuck in one of these, uh, like, 
It's kind of like a little bit dark. Right, just think of like a little bit bigger than a jacuzzi size hole that like a bowl that had been washed out of the water had been setting in it in like this sandy stone to where it eroded out the water so it was like a little bitty pool. I'm trying to think what they called them. I remember we almost got stuck on one of those. But going out there and seeing like petrified petrified uh, trees and like the Valley of Fire, we went toward the Hoover Dam, which that was pretty damn cool. That's when the only road that you, there used to be the only road that you get to and from Arizona, uh, Nevada, all that. You had to go over this two-lane road over top the Hoover Dam. It's another one is just synonymous with a uh, with a um, traffic jam. But that was pretty cool. I remember going to Hoover Dam. Again, nine-year-old brain and Arkansas brain. It's just hard to wrap your head around that. But yeah, Martha lived out there for a while and then ended up moving back to Arkansas with my cousin Carissa when she was a baby. Which is still wraps, it's hard for me to wrap my head around, man. I love my family. I really do. But there is, I've been out here about the same time that Martha was in Las Vegas. And I, for the life of me, cannot wrap my head around moving back to Arkansas. One, because I have no intentions. It's nice to know I always have family there. I have, like, family farmers there and stuff. It's That is great. It's good to know that. Not from a financial standpoint, but to go, hey, all else fails, I'm back there. That's what's made this transition to a job that much easier for me is that I still have a lot of rungs on this ladder of life to fall and bash my face against on the way down before I end up back in Arkansas. Just in general. And literally, I could... My buddy Nate in Arkansas, him and I are exactly a month apart. Take a drink of this coffee. And uh, Nate, Nate, for the most, his kids are just now becoming teenagers. He's got four kids. At one point, Nate had four kids under the age of five. Which I thought that was a lot. But then again, now that I have four under the age of four, or three under four, it's really not that much. Excuse me, I know that's rude again. His last two are teenagers, or last two are twins. So, um, but for the most part, Nate's probably raised his kids and his wife not working because you can't afford daycare at that point. Probably on, and I don't, I've never talked to Nate about this, I don't know, but I would say it's probably less than 40 to 45 grand a year. All in. Everything. He's raised his kids like that. And he's joined the National Guard a couple times, went overseas a couple times, and all that. But for the most part, that's Arkansas living. I mean, I'd say 40 is a stretch. That's even with health benefits and everything. Which, look, I still got a long ways to go before I'm back there. Not that I would, it would, it would suck. I think the biggest transition for me would just be the food. I mean, moving to Lebanon, Tennessee is hard enough. With 36,000 people, the food is just, there's no reason why you should go out and eat there. But it's, but but I'm spoiled. I know that. It's not shit on any of the restaurants in Lebanon. It's just, I'm so spoiled with the last 11 years of my life. Eating out at least once to twice a day, sometimes three times a day. Unless I was on the road, a place like Mississippi or Charleston where I ate like four times a day. Four to five, depending on where I was at. I mean, that's the kind of life I've had. I'm spoiled. And that's what 
my luxury. Man, I've never wanted for anything in life other than just good health and great folks around me. But, dude, until you've had the lightly flash-fried oysters from Redfish on Bourbon Street, New Orleans, which is a lightly battered, fresh oyster, lightly flash-fried to crisp the outside, and then it's uh, tossed in like a Louisiana hot sauce, and then it has crumbles of blue cheese on it. So you've had that bite of food. Do you know... I mean, food just makes you want to get up and just just air punch that good of food once you've had food that fucking good food that's so good that you can just have like one bite of it and you're like yeah I can walk away from this just because it's that good do you know how valuable and how damn fortunate you are that bite of food's up there the squid the uh, the squid ink scallops from the marsh house are up there is one of my favorite that right there is another one that's one of my favorite bites of food that you'd be like, oh yeah. The roast beef. Just a piece of roast beef from Arnold's. It's what it will weigh up there. Um, Martin's dry rub ribs, baby back dry rub ribs. That's up there. Just to buy that, it's good. Again, peg legs, uh, pulled pork is up there. The sweet potato fries from Gabby's. Yeah, that's up there. I could go on. I got, I was thinking the other day, I need to make a list of all the restaurants that I've eaten at or try to make a list. I used to drink a lot, so memory ain't that good, but I still remember all the significant ones of the food that I had at each place. That's how I can remember like a timeline. I lay in bed sometimes at night and think of the timeline of my life. And much like the timeline anybody would give you of the world would be conflict related, mine would be related to the places I've eaten and what was going on, like Louisville, what was like, what was going on then? Some Mexican restaurant my buddy Phil recommended in the Highlands. Um, you know, what would it be in Cincinnati? All right, it'd be after pitching Kroger, some little Belgian themed place downtown, and the over the Rhine area was really good. I think we ordered like five things on the menu there. That was really good. Um, yeah, man pizza place I went to in New York. I know it's over understated New York pizza, but this was a very specific place. This like 85-year-old man and his son were running it, the only two there, and they didn't make your pizza till you ordered it. Line out the door, phone ringing off the hook. I don't even know why they even had a phone. Nobody ever picked it up. God, I wish I could remember the name of that. It's phenomenal. But yeah, just stuff like that. That's that's where I, why it would be difficult to move back to Arkansas. Like, if you think about I mean, uh, it's just a different perspective once you've had good experiences with good people. I mean, I think that's like the happiest I ever could be in life. Happiest ever I've ever been or ever could be. I mean, this is, you know, other than waking up my kids and family being healthy, happiest I could ever be is sitting around a table with good food and good people. It used to be good drink, but I'm not much of a drinker anymore. But I, that's the only thing I really do miss about drinking. The only experience I miss about drinking isn't beer festivals or any of that or the great booze that I got for virtually free. The only thing I really miss is like a glass of really good red wine at a meal. 
I think the issue was that I couldn't just have one glass. It's usually like two bottles, but it was good red wine. Remember, I had someone. We all went to uh, met some friends in Las Vegas to Bobby Flay's restaurant there and plowed through everything on the menu, which I'm sure was phenomenal. But the two bottles of red wine and half a bottle of Jameson and the 12 pack of beer I had before we got to dinner was a little bit of a hindrance on remembering a lot of details. I knew there was a lamb dish that was phenomenal. That's all I remember. Got lost after that. Don't remember a lot. I didn't get lost, just mentally I got lost. Um, that was a good ride, man. That was a good one. Glad I did it. But, um, just not my place now, the food wise. My wife's never been to Las Vegas, so once we get the boat up out of the water with my new gig and her getting her bar open, Sandbar Nashville, if you haven't visited folks, you need to swing by. Um, be opening here in a couple weeks when weather gets better. All outdoors, spring your dogs. Which reminds me, I gotta build gates. I'll call ABC is strict about that. Any hoozle. Yep, heading out to the, the new gig today. I was with the kids yesterday. Older one was a little sick. My kids do. Even when my kids are sick, it's not that bad. I mean, other than clean up kid puke, that sucks. Then it always could be worse. It could be adult puke or animal puke, which you have no... With kids, you're like, eh, it's just a kid. I got it I got it down now, man. Many years of dealing with people drinking. It's I found a way to neutralize it. You need to always have a bottle of Lysol around. Therefore, you always need to spray that. One, to disinfect, but two, the strong kind that just kills the smell. Roll the paper towels. You're good to go. Fix it up. But yeah, that. And my neighbor, one of my neighbors on my street, I was thinking about this, has a 28, 29-year-old son that still lives at home. But there's a part of me that's like, ah, dude, get out and get a life when he's sitting in the driveway smoking weed with his music up blaring. Uh, no, I'm sorry. That's rude. I'm trying to work on it. Um, but the kid, I say kid, it's 28, 29. I'd already been in Nashville for almost 20 years or 10 years at that point. But still lives at home. Works an average shitty job. And there's a part of me that's like, man, move out. Get a life. Why don't y'all make this kid move out? But... I also can see the other side of it, too, of people that don't want their kids to move out. I have other shit going on, and I hope my kids move out and do their own thing. Probably won't kick them out, but I would encourage—I would feel like a parent. I didn't do a good job of them leaving. Then again, my kids are four, two, and five months. And I'm already regretting them moving out. Because I already, I'm going to miss them. I already miss them now. I miss them on a regular basis just because it's I know it's going to go by so fast four year old man conversations we're having at four it's incredible but I can see both sides I don't I don't think it, I'm not going to shit on my neighbors one they're just really good people and they're, they've been really good to us but two I mean to each his own man why do, why do I really give a shit what my neighbor's kid does as long as you're not blaring the music when we have a newborn trying to sleep, outside of that, I really don't care. Even the hoarder neighbors down the street, I really don't. I mean, I really don't care. There's a lot of people coming and going. It is what it is, man. I, I, it's 
not my monkeys, not my zoo anymore. That's kind of the, the life I've lived. I can't be the busybody in the neighborhood. Nor that I ever could, but I definitely can't now. Also, last night, my wife and I finished the first half of the Michael Jackson documentary. If you have kids or you've ever remotely liked Michael Jackson and or his music, it's probably not the documentary for you. It's pretty fucked up. To say the least. And I'd love to play devil's advocate and say that, well, there's two sides to every story. You don't know what his side was. These guys could be lying. Yeah, you're right. They could be. But people in their mid-30s and mid-40s would have to be the most jagged edge, methed out heroin addicts that have nowhere else to go, picking scabs type of people that needed money for God knows what to be willing to sit down and be interviewed to the extent and disclose the amount of stuff that these poor bastards disclosed about their interactions with Michael Jackson. And it makes me very hard to believe, to not believe them. I don't see any other reason why someone would come out and put themselves in the position these two bastards did. God, these two, I ain't, bastards, not even a negative thing. I'm going to say poor bastards. These two guys put the positions they put themselves in with this documentary. And you could say, like, ah, they're doing it for the money and the exposure, blah, blah, blah. Highest grossing movie last year in the United States did $627 million. The highest grossing documentary in history, in history ever, an inconvenient truth, has only grossed $127 million. So don't tell me these guys did it, they're doing it for the money. Because this isn't like the next Black Panther movie. This is the next Marvel superhero movie. The the upside in the documentary world, even when getting signed on by HBO, even the limited, I mean, even there, dude, there's not going to be a rush of theaters to show this. I can promise you that. So even financially upside, if these guys made $400 million each off of it, they deserve it to say the least. I don't even think we have it in us. Or at least I know I don't. I'm not saying my wife is indifferent. I just don't want to speak for her. We re- I really don't have it in me to watch part two. I really don't. And it's the same way with the, the Catholic Church, Church abuse scandal once you start hearing the details of those interactions and just how much freedom that people gave the Catholic Church to handle things in their communities and stuff. It's the same way with same way with this documentary with a very rich older man and the freedom that people gave him with their seven year old child 
and children. It just blows my mind. Yeah, that's about all I got. Rolling into Nashville. Sorry, went a little deep there. But just a heads up if you're thinking about watching it. Just right. I love a good documentary as much as the next guy. I'm just telling you within the first 10 minutes, it's heavy. And it stays heavy for about two hours. And that's just part one. So, heads up. That's all I got. Windshield time. Signing off. Follow along. At the Neil McCormick on Instagram. It's a lot of pictures of my kids for the most part. Uh, the Neil McCormick at Gmail. If you want to shoot me a message. Which I'm guessing we're probably already friends. Um, that's about all I got. I appreciate you listening. And uh, I was thinking the other day. It's like July. will be exactly a full year since I've been doing this show. I have a couple breaks here and there. But for the most part. It's the thing about the podcast world. you got to stay consistent, folks. Um, that's all I got. Hope you all have a good rest of your Tuesday. Enjoy the ride. New phone. It takes a little bit more to get it open than the old phone. It does have a cool princess case, though.